morning we're looking at Acts chapter 2, taking a short break from our series through Corinthians. It is Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit launches Christ's mission into the world through a newly empowered people. If you please stand as we look to the Word of God. Beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it we hear each of us in his own native language? We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders, and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You join me in prayer. Father God, as we come to your word this day, we are so grateful for its living power. We ask that you would continue to open our eyes to see the radiance of our Savior Jesus. Father, that you would continue your great work in this world through us. That indeed we would be an empowered people to be your presence to an ever-watching world. We pray and ask all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. One pastor has said, Pentecost is culturally invisible. Now maybe in some ways this is fitting that the Holy Spirit himself, has been referred to as the shy person of the Trinity, could be spoken of in this way. But that's not what he meant. There are no great celebrations for Pentecost. This amazing event that takes place in the life of creation in the world. Dutch theologian Herman Bavink, he said, After the creation and the incarnation, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a third great work of God. Pentecost, the third great work of God. Easter and Christmas get a lot of fanfare today because we've commercialized these events. Pentecost is culturally invisible. It's hard to sell something invisible. It's hard to celebrate an event when the chief actor is unseen. On top of that, many actually despise his work, the work of the church, the creation. They see the church as an impediment to human flourishing as an outdated institution that gets in the way of human progress. But for those with a different set of eyes, we see something else. We see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as the birth of the church. Pentecost transforms the ministry of Christ into the mission of the church. Hear that again. Pentecost transforms the ministry of Christ into the mission of the church. Pentecost sends God's people into the world as Christ's very presence to that same world. 
And we must be careful not to get sidetracked from this mandate. And because Jesus has sent his people to be witnesses, we must go forth as an empowered people to be a part of his ever-expanding presence in the church. Now, Pentecost was the Old Testament Feast of Weeks, 50 days after the Passover. Pentecost is just a Greek word for 50. They celebrated the ingathering of the harvest. It was also a celebration of the giving of the law of God at Mount Sinai. And Pentecost fell on a Sunday, 50 days from Sunday to Sunday. And being on a Sunday is no accident. It's another reason why the first day of the week was established as the new Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath. Resurrection was on Sunday. Pentecost was on Sunday. The old Sabbath gave way to the new. For Christians, Pentecost is the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples for the gathering of the harvest of the nations. And we have an empowered message so that the church will expand across the globe. But we're looking then first at that empowered message. Jesus had told his disciples after he was raised that they would go to Jerusalem and they would wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And wait they did. Waiting in the upper room, still somewhat afraid and timid of all the events that had taken place, wondering what it was that Jesus had been talking about. And then in verse 1, it says, The day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. I I like what New uh, Testament scholar N.T. Wright, he says about this. He says, The whole point about Pentecost was the disciples up until then were hiding in the upper room, were blown out into the street by the rushing wind to speak the truth of God in Christ to the public took them from the upper room and blew them into the streets. It says a divided tongue as fire appeared to them and rested on each one. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, fire is a symbol of God's presence, uh, His power, His cleansing. And each had this symbol upon them because each had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. With speaking in tongues, which simply means speaking in a foreign language, We see the reversal of the Tower of Babel. Babel, given to us in Genesis 11, was the confusion of languages by God because of our sin and rebellion. We were unified in sin against God. And here, the Spirit transcends languages to unite God's people under the message of the gospel and undoing of what we had caused through sin, now God is reestablishing through the victory of Christ. And it says in verse 5, dwelling in Jerusalem with devout men of every nation under heaven. They all had come together. This is one of the great festivals of the Old Testament that brought them to Jerusalem. And so they came from all over and they heard each in their own language the apostles speaking. And they were astonished because they they said, aren't these Galileans? How would they be able to do this? And they hear each in his own tongue. Verses 9 to 11, it lists some 16 different countries or regions that all these people had come from, that they were hearing their language being spoken. And people, they were amazed, were perplexed. What does this mean? And of course, some come along and go, oh, they're just drunk. They're filled with new wine. There's always some who want to disbelieve what they see in front of them. 
You're hearing someone speak in your language, clearly articulating the message of Jesus Christ, and you go, they're drunk. Wanting to block anything that penetrates the heart, that brings conviction to the soul. Not wanting to hear this good news. And Peter steps forward to explain what happened. He said, these men are not drunk, it's early in the morning. But this what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Notice Peter takes them all the way back into their prophetic history to explain this new empowerment. He tells them that this is the promise that God had given that he's now fulfilling. In verse 17, he's quoting Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Notice that Peter's saying the ability to speak in other human languages at this moment is what this prophecy means. What they are proclaiming is the gospel, that their prophecy, as it were, their, their visions, as it were, is the proclamation of Jesus as Savior. Now, some try and make uh, to speak of sort of a, a private devotional practice or add visions and dreams, extra things that are yet to come. That's not what Peter says Joel meant. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Saying this empowering is to be for all peoples. No one group, no person is excluded from what God is doing. Proclaimers of Christ is for all peoples. And he goes on. The prophet says, I will show wonders in the skies above and signs in the earth below, blood, fire, vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. Now, some have seen this fulfillment in the darkening of the sky and the earthquake that the Gospels record at Jesus' death. Now, that certainly could be. The, the language of the prophets are filled with strong imagery and metaphors that too often modern readers treat sort of like a list of checkoffs that are yet to happen, like looking at the moon, oh, not, not red yet. And they miss the import of what's taking place. They fail to appreciate the metaphor and the imagery. Peter is saying that we have entered into the last days. When it ends, the Lord alone knows. But we have entered into the countdown with this purpose in mind. The proclamation of Jesus. He says in verse 21, It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, this is the message of Jesus going forward. New Testament scholar Daryl Bach, he said, the bridge from the old era to the new is crossed when Jesus brings the Spirit. Jesus' ministry itself is the connection point between the old and the new. And that then moves from an empowered people then to an expanding church in the world. Peter goes on in verse 22, says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God. All these amazing things that have happened. He was delivered up. How? Because of the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. None of this was an accident. God had planned this from the beginning. He said, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. All of that was a part of God's great plan. God raised him up from the dead because death couldn't hold him. That's the message that God's people 
have been empowered to proclaim. That's the message that has expanded across the globe with such vitality and power. There are more today who profess faith in Christ than in any other world religion. This is what Pentecost accomplishes. The book of Acts is not about the elevation of the interior spiritual life of believers through the Spirit. Nor does it teach a a second blessing of the Spirit given to some, but not to all believers. No, what we see in Acts and the Gospels is the transition from the waiting for the promise of the Messiah to the proclaiming that He has come. The apostles were the only ones who lived with a foot in both worlds, as it were, old and new. The Lord brought about all of this as He brought the Spirit into the church in stages, even as he proclaimed in Acts chapter 1. There he he told them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And each one of these locations were decidedly marked by visible demonstrations of the outpouring of the Spirit. So when you read those, you go, well, that's odd. It happened here, it happened here, it happened here. Yes, because it tied all of those together under the authority and the teaching of Jesus-appointed leaders in the church. These stages united all people. And once that was done, once that generation passed, everyone else now lives in the age after the resurrection of Jesus. They were the only ones that bridged that. And so there was unique things that happened at that time, making that connection with Jesus as the center. If you have Jesus... You have the Holy Spirit. You have been commissioned and empowered to be his witnesses. Now, can there be special times uh, when his presence is experienced in a greater way? Certainly. And yes, the Holy Spirit works in the lives of God's people to bring about change in them, to sanctify us. But that is not what Pentecost is about. And it's vitally important that we keep that in mind. Why? Because we tend to make everything about ourselves. We tend to individualize, privatize Pentecost. No, the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit into missions. If Pentecost is culturally visible out there, let's not make it invisible here. Jesus has already told us in chapter 1 what the purpose of that empowerment was for. And the, the whole book of Acts records this taking place the gospel advancing into the world. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is that part. It's a supernatural work to get our eyes off ourselves and out to others around us. Disciples didn't stay in the upper room talking about their experience. They were like, oh, let's set up a blog page. They didn't put together a seminar on spiritual gifts. They went out. Indeed. They went out. And what did they do? They told people about Jesus. That's what they were commanded to do. Jesus is now present in the world in the empowerment of his people. All by the work of the Spirit. He came to bring life in himself. And that's exactly what we see taking place. Our task is not to break someone's heart in conviction or to soften their heart. Our task is to tell them the good news about Jesus. 
And we leave it to the Spirit to bring that conviction. That's His work. Ours is in the telling. We are called to be witnesses to Jesus. And in doing so, we live out Christ's presence as the church, as the body of Christ. What does that mean for us? It means that you and I are part of this fulfillment. This call to witness, this call to Christ's presence, to be His presence, it's not for some professional or contractor-grade Christian. You know, for those who have an extra anointing and gift, the professional class, no. Now, some may have the gift of evangelism, and we've all met people like that, that just have that extra ability to really communicate or, or people come up to them and they're asking them about Jesus. I had a good friend that way. It's, he'd just be out doing normal things and he'd always be able to bring things around to Jesus and people would want to hear that. And that was a gift. But we don't then relegate that only to those because we're all called. We all have the gift of the Spirit of Christ in us motivating us and pushing us to tell the good news. It's for all of us. Pentecost in the Old Testament was a celebration of the harvest. We are that harvest. And we are now the harvesters. The Old Testament Pentecost was a celebration of the first fruits. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8 that we have now the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. We are a part of the ingathering of the nations. That's why we're here. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, the new creation has entered into this world of death and decay. You see, if you take away Pentecost, we are left in Gotham City with no Batman. We are in Narnia under the White Witch. Always winter, no Christmas. Jesus is that Christmas. Jesus is the good news that the world needs. We need the Holy Spirit to convince even the most stubborn heart that Jesus is Lord. We need Him to convict us of our own sin, our need of salvation that can only come through Jesus. And so Pentecost is the launching of the church into the world, a one-time event that keeps reverberating through all of history even to our present moment. What is good about the good news for you that makes you want to tell others? We share good news. We do. In the sharing, it makes it even sweeter. When great things happen to us, we tell other people because we want them to share in the joy. So brothers and sisters, what is sweet about Jesus to you? What is sweet that makes you want to share him with others? It is in moments of hardship and difficulties in history. God's people have have always thought that the end is right here. And when certain things happen, they're like, no, it's, I mean, it's really, really the last days. I mean, really, really, like right there. Maybe, I don't know, could be. But I know we've been saying that for a very long time, and when things happen we don't like, we, that's one of the first things that come to mind. But what I have not seen when people say that is peace and joy. It's almost always with a shadow of fear and trepidation, as if we're trying to scare others and ourselves into the kingdom. 
that we, we talk about those things with that pall over it. I think maybe similar, like if you were climbing something tall and you're way up there and you were afraid of heights and you're looking down, how fearful you would be to describe your circumstance. But what if you could fly? Heights are not really scary if you can fly. What if the promises of God are really true and no matter what is taking place around us that causes us to look down with fear and anxiety in our hearts, we see that the Lord has saved us from. That's not a real fear for us. And now we are in a position to tell people good and and gracious news about what Jesus has done. The good news that Jesus saves us from sin and death. Jesus restores our relationship to the Father. Now, I would encourage you, for, for some of you particularly, turn off whatever news channel you're listening to. I challenge you, take a media fast from input about what's happening in the world, particularly if it's driving you to a dark spot and fearfulness. Take a fast from that. Now, if you're on the other side, take a media fast from distracting yourself from whatever's happening in the world, where you're immersing yourself in and all kinds of things, YouTube, watching all these things to keep yourself from knowing what's out there because you don't want to be bothered by it. Take a fast from it. Fast from those things because we have good news to share. Let the Spirit blow us into the streets to tell people the good news of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 24, speaking about the end, is speaking about the destruction of the temple and then what would come after that. He said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. In the kindness of God, he has waited for Christ's return so that the gospel will go into the world, that more people would hear the good news of Jesus. And we're grateful for that where we are now. I'm glad that he waited and didn't come 200 years ago. That's the good news. We all want Jesus to come back. Let's get about preaching the gospel. Not fearing people in, but telling them why Jesus is sweet to you. Often we're like, well, I'm afraid. I don't know what to say. I know I'm not really good at that, and I get things muffed up, and I'm not, you know, it's hard. Yeah, it can be. So just tell them what you like about Jesus. You don't have to convince them it's true. That's the Spirit's work. It's true because it's true. You just get to tell them about how great Jesus has been for you and why he's the love and joy of your life. That's what Pentecost does for us. Pentecost has blown his people into the streets, has filled them with the empowering presence of his spirit, has put the gospel proclamation on steroids. And you and I are a part of that. We are the ingathering of the harvest and we are the harvesters. 
Go forth, brothers and sisters. The fields are white. They're filled. They're waiting for you and I to step into what God has ordained to bring men and women, children to saving faith in Christ. What a gift He has given to us that we can celebrate on this very visible day of Pentecost. Pray with me. Father, we are so grateful for all that You have done for us through Your Son, Jesus. Father, we are also mindful that it has not been a task we have done well. We pray, Lord God, that you would continue to put our eyes on what is truly important. Help us to release ourselves from that which holds us back and the sin which so easily entangles us. Father, that we would be able to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, that we would know anew and again the joy of our salvation that is found only in Him. We bless you for the kindness and the goodness that we have received through our Savior Jesus. For in His name we do pray. Amen.